1: Okay, I wanted to do a video exposing Rob Skiba for the deceiver that he is. I'm not going to get into any kind of of, um, agenda to show he's a shill or he works for the government or he's a government agent or Jesuit or anything like that. I don't know enough about his life to make that uh, accusation. I'm just gonna expose the grotesque lies and deception and manipulative techniques this man uses there's so many people respect this man and it just baffles me um the interviews that he did with jaronism uh, i took detailed notes on but now i can't do a video capture and show you the things that he said because jaronism's site makes you pay to listen to his stuff and so i have to I, I just have to like go on the notes that I wrote here because I can't I can't actually screenshot and record what he said because apparently, you know, I don't I don't know about Rob, but apparently Jaron is definitely concerned about making money uh with his um with his ministry. I understand that uh I understand that it has to be funded, but I mean you, you, you know, you, why can't he just put a Patreon account? Why does he have to make everything private? I don't understand. Um, so uh, on 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 the Truth Frequency Radio, um, at the at the um, sixty four forty five minute mark of his uh, first interview with Jaron, where he was on Jaron's show, Jaron wasn't on his show; he was on Jaron's show. He actually. Uh, suggested when when Jaron brought up the homosexuality thing he never openly condemned it and condemned these people's lives he actually suggested that lesbian women could be good mothers to a child I I was absolutely floored when he said that Uh, I, I was absolutely floored I mean I was expecting this guy to stand up for biblical Principles and stuff, and it, it, he just doesn't whatsoever. Like he, he like takes all of this occult literature that he's written, and he tries to like reinterpret the Bible with it. It's unbelievable this deceptive nature of this man. And he, anyone who knows anything about the the history of this man for the last couple months, uh, last few months, he, he he admits that the Bible teaches the Earth is flat, but he won't say it's flat. Like he 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 just he uses this psychological. Technique to like portray himself as being this careful philosopher or something when he's just being a deceptive snake. If you believe it's flat, say it. Don't just don't just oh, 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 you're zetetic. You're being humble. No, you're not. The Bible says that the stars, the moon, and the sun are in the firmament. The only model that that works on is the flat Earth model. The, the heliocentric model does not have a dome. The, the 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 sun moon and stars are not in the firmament in the in the geocentric model the stars and the sun and the moon are not in the firmament on the concave model the sun the moon and the stars are not in the firmament okay and I've already gone through this okay and Rob is just a a manipulator using this technique like he's he's being so humble that uh, he's he's too humble and too careful. Uh, to come down hard on the flat earth position because he's just such a careful scholar. No, he's a deceiver and he's a manipulator. And he's refusing to say these things so that he can maintain some reputation or something as being a careful scholar or something. He He won't take up the burden and the shame of the tree, as Yeshua told us to do, to take up the tree every day and follow him. He's not going to take up the tree and the scorn and the ostracism that comes with biblical truth. So, um, yeah, he, he, this is so disgusting. So, this is, he's going to tell you, uh, Jaron questioned him on his view of the Canaanite genocide, of the, the genocide of the Canaanite nations in in the Bible. And this is the kind of stuff that he says in order to get away, get around what the Bible says about the genocide of pagan savage peoples, okay?
0: Uh, Admittance, if you will, into the kingdom, then great. But if you say, no, sorry, you know, thanks for paying for my hotel, but I don't want it. they're like, wow, you know, we paid for everything for you. We did everything we could to get you here. Man, I'm sorry. Depart from me, you know. So who are these people whose names were never written then from the foundation of the world? It is my opinion, based on the research of Genesis chapter 6, that um, these are people who are never meant to exist in the first place. These may be hybrids, um, abominations. Uh, If you look at the hybrids that were created in Genesis chapter 6, you saw that they were destined to utter destruction. Throughout the Torah we read this. The Amorites, the Hittites, the Jebusites, etc., etc., etc. Every time we encounter them, you see the words, you know, utterly destroy." And this is one of the things that trips up many people who don't understand what's going on in Genesis 6 and why many people become agnostics and atheists because they can't accept this God of the Old Testament. Remember I said yesterday many agnostics and atheists actually know the Bible better than we do? Yeah, because they read those things. They didn't understand what was going on and they threw the book aside and said, This is crazy. This, This God is a genocidal maniac. Why would I want anything to do with him? Until you understand that he was wiping out abominations and it was an act of love to preserve his good creation from the evils creation. of the bad liar, from the evils of the bad creation. And liar. Yeshua said in Matthew twenty four, thirty seven, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be at the coming of the Son of Man. Which means if I take that literally, the last days are gonna mirror the days of Noah. And if you keep reading, like in Luke, uh, I believe it's twenty one, where he's talking, he says, Except those days be shortened, no flesh would be saved. Something's going to happen, and it's going to be really bad to the point where God's going to have to wipe the whole world out again, this time with fire, because of a repeat of what happened in Genesis chapter 6.
1: Unbelievable lies and deception. Folks, does the Bible tell us that the reason why Yehovah Elohim destroyed the people before the flood was because of some kind of hybridization? Is that what it says? No. Genesis chapter 6. Now it came about when man began to multiply on the face of the land, and daughters were born to them, that the sons of Elohim saw that the daughters of men were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves, whomever they choose. Then Jehovah said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, because he also is flesh. Nevertheless his days shall be one hundred and twenty years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterward when the sons of God came into the daughters of man. Okay? Notice it says, The Nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterward when the sons of God came into the daughters of men and they bore children to them. Okay? The the sons of Elohim mating with the daughters of men does not bring into existence the Nephilim. The Nephilim existed, and then afterward, the sons of Elohim came into the daughters of men. Okay, I want you to know what why these men say these things. They say these things so they can avoid. These men, <coughs> they, oh, well, I'll say this, the, this theology was created by members of Masonic, Organizations and Jes- under Jesuit influence to fragment up the Protestant British people, the Western Protestant British people, uh, s- to fragment them and weaken them so that they could take over our nations. That's the point of the Counter Reformation. That's the point of it. I mean, you could read the Jesuit oath and it t- tells you what they are supposed to do. They're supposed to infiltrate among Protestant sects and to divide them up with all of these strange doctrines. Okay? What he's doing here, he's, this 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 serpent seed crap that he's that he's pushing, is a part of the dispensational premillennial system, and dispensational premillennialism isn't simply an eschatological system; it's a system that operates on a certain soteriology. It is a way to reject Calvinism, the reformed understanding of the Gospel, which I believe utterly, I have examined thousands, I have examined more arguments against Calvinism than any human, any Protestant ever, ever. I wrote an 800 page book where I go through, uh, going through all systematic theology, all the arguments against Calvinism. Okay i have examined every last criticism you guys believe if you're an armenian or pelagian or this dispensational stuff i know i know the way you people think better than you do okay and these this system of theology was created to fragment and weaken the british protestant people okay because what what he's doing here with this theology he's not only trying to attack uh, post-millennialism which is the foundation of Western Protestant British power okay this is a political movement oh, to weaken our power because the mission and uh, the, the missionary age was the basis of colonialism uh, a mission a missionary would go to a certain savage land would uh, evangelize the people build them hospitals build them schools and a platform for colonialism was created and what we have seen uh, in the last 150 years, is this systematic attack on the power of British colonialism, uh, British and American colonialism, because British and American colonialism is based on British Protestant Calvinist postmillennialism? Okay, the theology that he's setting up here is a way to attack, in a warlike manner, the hegemony of British postmillennial Calvinism. Okay, that's what he's doing. And he is attacking this 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 system, this serpent seed doctrine, is a way to attack the Calvinist understanding of total depravity. Oh, you see, God's judgments are not on sin; they're on bad genetics. Genesis six five: Then Yahovah saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, not his alien genetics the wickedness of man, and that the every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. You see? You see what he's doing with this doctrine? What he's doing is, he's trying, oh, it's not your fault. It's not man's fault, his wicked heart. No. No. It's, it's this alien genetic hybrid, hybridization. That was the problem. what does that do that buttresses a Pelagian anthropology and a Pelagian soteriology that's what he's doing he doesn't want to have to come to terms with the fact that man is a sinful being in nature not that his body or his physical composition is something evil but that uh, uh, at his uh, at his birth from his inception uh, his heart is inclined toward the dark side and uh, it is only through grace of God and discipline and study of the scripture uh, and prayer and faith in Jehovah um, Elohim that a man can overcome these things okay and and what 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 is needed when you have this totally depraved understanding of of man is a need for a gracious covenant is a need for a Messiah to die for us and to shed his blood for our sins to propitiate the wrath of the Father. As a guilt offering, according to uh, as a guilt offering, according to Isaiah 53, that Yeshua was our guilt offering, and uh, Deuteronomy chapter 18 uh, does not say that because of the bad genetics of the people that uh, the genocide of the Canaanite nations was required. Deuteronomy 18 makes it very clear. Let's start in verse number nine. When you enter the land which Yehovah your God gives you. You shall not learn to imitate the detestable things of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or his daughter pass through the fire, one who uses divination, one who practices witchcraft, or one who interprets omens, or a sorcerer, or one who casts a spell, or a medium, or a spiritist, or one who calls up the dead. For whoever does these things is detestable to Yahuwah, and because of these detestable things, because of these detestable things, Yahuwah, your God will drive them out before you. Notice he says nothing. Moses says nothing about them being hybridized with some alien race. Nothing. This man is a liar. He is a liar and he is a deceiver. These these, uh, Christians are so... And really, he, he still has the Christian mentality of no, this weak, effeminate mentality of violence is bad and killing all people, uh, all killing is bad, and all hatred is bad. Let me quote for you um, Romans chapter 9. I'm starting in, um, yeah, I'm starting in verse number 13. Just as it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. Uh, Let me me back up, actually. I'm going to go to verse number 10. Uh, And not only this, but there was Rebecca also when she had conceived twins by one man, our father Isaac. For though the twins were not yet born and had not done anything good or bad, so that God's purpose according to his choice would stand, not because of works, but because of him who calls. It was said to her, the older will serve the younger, just as it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. What shall we say then? There is no injustice with God, is there? May it never be. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So that it does not depend on the man who wills and the man who runs, but on God who has mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, For this very reason I raised you up to demonstrate my power in you, that my name might be proclaimed throughout the whole earth. So then he has mercy on whom he has mercy, on whom he desires, and whom he uh, hardens whom he desires. You will say to me then, why does he find fault? For who resists his will? On the contrary, who are you, O man, who answers back to God? The thing molded will not say to the molder, why did you make me like this, will it? Or does not the potter have a right over the clay, See a caste, caste system? To make from the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for common use what if God although willing to demonstrate his wrath and to make his power known endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction and he did so to make known the riches of his glory upon vessels of mercy which he prepared beforehand even us whom he also called out not from among the Jews only but also from among the Gentiles Paul's answer to God's cruelty and hatred of some men upon the earth is not. Oh, well, those people were hybridized with an alien race. Okay? See, God loves everybody, okay? He loves all people. He just doesn't like bastardized abominations. Is that what Paul says? No. Paul says, Who are you to reply against God? You clay. You clay. Who? How dare you raise your tongue against all, the Almighty? How dare you? That's his response. Is that is that Rob Skiba's response when people bring this up about the about the Canaanite conquest? How dare you question question the judgments of God? Yahovah judged those people as pagan savages and worthy of death, and that's exactly what they received. Now shut your filthy mouth. Is that what he's... No. No. That's what, that's what he needs to say. But what is he saying? He and he thinks he's being humble. You see the, the the arrogance and insolence of the Christian ideas of love. Oh no no no! You see, God's wrong. The Bible's wrong about what it says about the judgment of God. Okay, what really happened is uh, you need to read my book, Babylon Rising. Okay, because that's where the real answer is given. God didn't judge these people for the wickedness of their hearts and their lives. No. He judged a hybridized abomination because of its bad genetics. Its hybridized genetics. Filthy liar.
0: Come and when he cometh he must continue a short space. And the beast that was and is not, even he is the eighth and is of the seven and goeth into perdition. There's a ton of detail given in those few verses right there. So let's just go with the text here. It says we got five have fallen, one is, and one is yet to come. Okay. First thing we need to address again is that the word that was used there is kings. The word, Greek word is basilius. Strong's Concordance number th- nine three five, defined as a king, a ruler, an emperor. John did not use the closely related word basilia, Strong's Concordance number nine three two, which means king kingship, sovereignty, rule over kingdom, etc. So all these teachers are out there saying it's seven, it's seven kingdoms. That's not what the text says in English nor in Greek. Utterly
1: stupid, folks. This, people are so ignorant. Um, this is from uh, Francis Turretin's um, seventh disputation, whether it can be proved that the Pope is the Antichrist. This is uh, section number 43, uh, point uh, number uh, 3. Because what are described mystically in scriptures as beasts are not literal single individuals, but rather single states of bestial men. We see this principle exemplified by the four beasts of Daniel seven. The four beasts are four kingdoms, and he knows this. These premillennial guys they admit this. The beasts are not literal single beasts; they represent kingdoms. A Assyrian, which is represented by the lion. B Persian by the bear. C Macedonian by the leopard, and D Roman by the terrible beast in like manner the ram represents the kings of the medes and persians uh, the he-goat kings of the greeks number 4 the seventh uh, the seven heads of the seven headed beast are not 7 individual rulers of the Roman state, but the equivalent number of governments or special forms of the regime which would control the state. Truly the Antichrist ought to be the last head of this beast, not as a single individual ruler, but rather as a unique form of ecclesiastical headship whose rule is the entire, uh, is the entire empire." Um, I, mean, I could go on and on. I've already discussed this as well. I mean, folks, what he's doing is, in order to make it a literal person, what he's doing is, is he's taking the Jesuit position that the Roman Papacy cannot be the Antichrist. See that the, the Protestant position is that the Antichrist isn't just one guy, one individual person, he's a, he's a legacy, an office, beginning with the time of the Apostles and ending with the Second Coming of Yeshua. That's the Protestant historicist understanding that claimed that the Pope was the Antichrist. If you take it as one single individual, it's not the Papacy. You see what he's doing? He's, he's defending Jesuit, dispensational, premillennial theology. This, this futurist crap he's teaching, folks, this was created by the Jesuits.
0: So I would take number five as interchangeable with either of those two guys as possibilities. Alexander the Great, of course, is in the canonized text of the 66-book canon. Um, And he's described as what? What's the uh, symbol used for him? The he-goat, yes. He's described as a he-goat, and he has a horn between his eyes. And it says the horn is the first king. Well, the first king of the Bible is Nimrod.
1: So it appears at least... Stupid moron. It's, it says the first king of, of the Greek empire. Uh, this is Daniel chapter 9, verse 21. The shaggy goat represents the kingdom of Greece, and the large horn that is between his eyes is the first king. Clearly talking about the first king of the Greek empire. 22. The broken horn and the four horns that arose in its place represent four kingdoms, which will arise from his nation, although not with his power. Okay, and, and what happened was, the uh, after Alexander the Great died, his kingdom was divided among his four generals. This man is totally incompetent.
0: Reigned for a short period of time, and he's done. Um... I think people who lived during World War II, during the reign of Hitler, probably—I th- I would think—the most eschatology teachers at that time were probably looking at this guy, saying, ah, "We're here." Um, I know that if I was living in those days and knowing what was going on, I-, I would have been having my eye on him for sure. So,
1: really, really, because because he was mad that his country—he's talking about Hitler—and he thinks that he thinks that people living at that time could have. Um, properly said that Hitler was the Antichrist. So Hitler's the Antichrist because he's defending his country from going into massive poverty under the Treaty of Versailles, people starving to, get, to death. They're being demoralized under this uh, atheist communist uh, movement that happened in 1917 with the Bolshevik Revolution which many Jewish people aligned with and I have said this many times that they got exactly what they deserve from Hitler. They, they, had, they had betrayed the covenant of their ancestors. They had betrayed even the Sinai covenant. They completely abandoned jehovah Elohim. And according to Deuteronomy 28, they got exactly what they deserved. It is utterly disgusting to see this man view Hitler as the antichrist and not the communist movement that was happening at the time. I mean, even even on a premillennial position, I mean, Hitler was standing up for traditional uh, family structure for, uh, for for I mean he did believe in Christianity uh, and that for the fact that this man would call Hitler Antichrist for fighting against communism shows just how completely bankrupt this man is spiritually um, with reference intellectually with reference to scholarship this man should be completely avoided by anyone seriously searching the truth and seek- searching the truth of the Bible
0: of what's going on from the elaborated story that we get in Joshua. Well, it makes perfect sense. This guy's running for, from his, for his life from Nimrod's buddies because he just killed the emperor of the world. He's like, what do I care about my birthright for? I'm a dead man anyway. Just give me something to eat. Well, all of a sudden that story makes a whole lot more sense.
1: Right. Okay, so you see what he's doing with his scholarship. He What he's doing is he's trying to justify Esau's actions. You see, Esau didn't do anything wrong. Okay, you see, you see this, this theme keeps coming up. That man is not to blame. Okay, but what does Hebrews 12:16 say? That there be no immoral or Elohimless person, like Esau, who sold his own birthright for a meal. You see that the, the scriptures say that what Esau did was immoral. Okay, that's the thing that these people, these these Ebionites, they just these Ebionite premillennialists, they they just they can't face this idea that human nature is fallen according to the Calvinist understanding of the Bible. It's part of their theology. They, will, they have to avoid total depravity because they have to maintain that Pelagian soteriology. So just, just those few points, we, we clearly see this man is a liberal philosopher. He is in the congregation, whether or not he's an agent or not, I'm not going to say. This man, his ministry, is this, is built on the same quicksand that the Christianity that has been dominant in previous generations to us uh, has been erected upon. Okay, it, it is a weak, effeminate, liberalized, communist uh, interpretation. It's not really an interpretation of the Bible. It's just a reject, complete rejection of the Bible altogether. This man should be ashamed of himself he isn 't he, his whole ministry is just an utter lie it 's built on lies, lies, and more lies and you know if he continues to do it i 'll continue exposing him, but I, I suggest that no one uh, uh, that is not a professional apologist or someone who actually does this. Uh, on a regular basis studies and does real scholarship should uh, should follow he he is a He is a deceiver and he is a manipulator and I strongly suggest anyone um, I'll leave it at that. So this is the southern Israelite signing off Shalom peace 18 plus.